Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Alan Zweig. He is a returning guest on Face to Face. We had a conversation a couple of years ago. I guess it uh, comes up in the interview about, three, about 300 interviews ago. Alan and I uh, chatted about uh, his film, Hurt. And I think for those of you who know his work and have seen other films of his, you'll see, you'll see some... You'll see some uh, crossover. You'll see some themes coming out and some threads. And, and Alan and I chatted a little bit about that. And I really appreciated it, his his sort of um, his his humble stance on he's really not even sure yet what he if he knows truly what the film is about. And I think that's kind of interesting. You know, it's about community. It's about conversation. It's about dialogue and getting people involved. And uh, the Toronto International Film Festival is coming up, and 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 probably may have passed by the time that you listen to this. But but there will be a conversation going as a result of his new film, Copper. So stay tuned for that. Ellen and I talk about fear and and dark humor and and first responders and how how they handle and how they deal with uh, stress and post traumatic stress and trauma and the, and those kinds of things. It's a difficult level uh, film on some levels, but it's it's engaging and it's it's important and it's one that you're going to want to see. Uh, I hope Alan and I had a great time. I certainly did. Um, don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information uh, about uh, my speaking and you can purchase a copy of my book there, Real Change is Incremental. Love for you to get behind the work that we're doing on face-to-face. And if you want to do that, you can do that by um, donating a, a monthly an amount. I was going to say donating a monthly donation, but that's is that that's redundant, isn't it? But anyway, Patreon, Patreon.com. You can find out more about that. We uh, Jack Kirvin, uh, just 
signed on as a donor. And I'm a big shout out to to Jack for for coming on board and and th- thanks for that. And and if you can't do that, which we totally understand, uh, why why not leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or or one of the other applicable platforms? That goes a long way for us here at Face to Face. You can advertise with us. We've got a newsletter. Sign up for that. Share it with your friends. We're growing. We're coming up on. Uh, wow, I guess near near the end of uh, TIFF this year, we're gonna we're gonna be coming up on um, close to 500 recorded interviews, which is just absolute crazy talk to me. Loving every minute of it over here and don't forget also uh, rabble.ca for is another platform that I appear on and and, I'm hosted on and so many other uh, interviews there uh, with with other podcasters and bloggers and and journalists news for the rest of us rabble.ca check it out coming right up though uh, don't touch that dial Alan Swag well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here with us today. Alan Zweig is here to talk about his new film, Coppers. It's just kind of fun actually saying that, Alan. Anyway, Alan, thanks for uh, joining us here today on Face to Face. Thanks for getting my name so beautiful. <laughs> well, I've been working on it for years now, Alan. It's, uh, okay. Yeah, wow. yeah. So you are a returning guest, and I was a little disappointed uh, offline. I don't, I don't think you remember having our conversation, or am I wrong about that? It's, it's not um, bringing back sweet, warm I, memories for you. Well, I, you know, I talked to a lot of people, <laughs> That's and right. and uh, yeah, I, it's not, some of them are memorable. Oh, there we go. There not we... necessarily. I don't necessarily remember everybody's name. Hey, but listen, I... I've had some memorable conversations. That the last, the film we talked about hurts. There was a lot of hype around that film, and probably uh, that might be a reason. Whereas this film, I don't think there will be the same well, clamor. I... So I'll right. remember. You'll you'll remember this time, yeah. Well, it was yeah. it was for me uh, a close, believe it or not, a little push for face to face here. Three three hundred conversations, three hundred recorded conversations ago. So how's that? So that's something worth celebrating. Well, congratulations. Thank you, man. Thanks, and congratulations would, on the would, film, by the way. Yeah, I don't think I'd be happy if I was number four fifty and there hadn't been one three hundred ago. But <laughs> right. as long as I, right. as long as I got in there under the wire on 150, there you, there you go. Then I, after that, my my fragile filmmaker's ego is assuaged. So so coppers, um, pretty pretty serious doc, man. And congratulations on the film and and um, engaging to say the least. And uh, quite a um, I don't I'm love I'm really interested to hear how you're going to describe it. But coming back to returning uh, to Toronto International Film Festival coming up in September very soon. I mean, where do you start with a film like this? I mean, you're 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 following. I mean, this is. I saw it as a road movie, but it took me a little while to get there. Um, um, but a road. Well, I'm yeah. That's interesting. You know what, David? I'm going to tell you the truth. It's like Tiff is in a week and a half. The only people who've seen the film are, you know, my inner circle of people that worked on the film. Mm. I have not. You're the second person I've talked to who is not in that inner circle. Right. So, in a in a way, I don't, I really do feel like I don't know what the film's about. Interesting. Uh, until, because, it, you know, because I really, if I ever can answer that question, it will be only after I've sort of mixed in reactions of other people like you and the audience. So when you, 
all, I'm not being modest when you say pretty serious or it's pretty engaging or it's a road movie. I'm almost feeling like I should be writing down those words <laughs> too, so so I can remember it. Because, I'm, I'm happy to send you a transcription of the interview, Helen. Because it's, I don't yeah. know. I mean, uh, you know, there are stories in the film that I realize you know, right from the beginning, that what were not affecting me the way they were going to affect other people. Mm. Because number one, I think I have a high tolerance for a certain kind of story that, you know, I've had people tell me stuff is dark mm. my whole life in these films that I've made. And I've always thought, well, it's not dark, dark. I mean, it's not the darkest dark. It's not too dark, is it? I mean, so, you know, I'm attracted to somewhat dark material, but with that attraction to somewhat dark material comes a pretty high tolerance for somewhat dark material. And so I'm very intrigued how the somewhat dark material will affect the viewers and I really don't know yet like I think you, you know, know what, there's what's really interesting to me about what you say and the the humility in that and just yeah you know what I don't really know what the film's about yet it, there, there's something I think really cool about that 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 it's a that you're putting it out there well, you need reactions it's a, it's a, it's kind of it it will fuel conversation but the actual viewing of the film is sort of a conversation does is that fair you know like um you know some people see the film so the film, the opening credits of the film, a woman cop, ex-cop, they're all retired cops. So Christina, she tells a story. So she told us two stories. And when I heard the other story that she told, I thought, I'm going to start the film with that. And so I had a version where I started the film with the other story hmm. and where the story that's there now um, was later. So at a certain point, I realized I couldn't use both stories. And I started thinking about using the story that's there now. But but I was worried, like, because the other story, the first story that I used, was grisly, it's but pr it's pretty, in a it's kind pretty, of... pretty grisly, including, it, including yeah. a pizza box. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, the point of that story was to start the film in a certain way to say, you know, this is kind of what the film is going to be. And um, I, there was one story that was dark and there was one story that was, let's say, grislier. I went with the grislier story feeling like, well, you know, like... I'm 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 preparing the audience for the film, but you know maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be like it'll never we'll never find out how how wrong I might have been. With uh, maybe it would have been better to use the first the less grisly story <laughs> well, right. and let them sort of move up to that. Right, but, right, move up. You to know, the darker but, material. but but once you once you you know once I made that decision to start with that story. Everything, the whole film was kind of changed. Right. And, yeah, sets a, um, sets and a tone. anyway, so 
it just, it's all like, it's all a big guess. I do think about the audience. I do try to guess what the audience will feel, but I've had so many people over the years tell me so many things, often very positive that I, that, you know, and then they kind of go, was that on purpose? And it's like, well, you know, I'd like to take credit for it. (laughs) Well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I was talking to a filmmaker uh, this week, uh, uh, Nicole Dorsey, and we were talking about that sort of intentionality of, you know, when you, when you, when you step back and you've seen the film and the decisions you make while you're filming and then the decisions that are made during editing and so on, where, where's the thread, you know, is it always an explicit thread? Is it always an explicit connection? So you had a realization right out of the gate. That's how I want to start this film. You clearly had a vision for where it was heading. I mean, that's kind of why you're the director, well, I, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, okay, that's not exactly, I wouldn't put it that way. What I would say is, when I started talking to the cops, mm. a thread developed that surprised me didn't didn't bowl me over right it just surprised me i could see that there was a shape to what we were going to talk about and what we weren't going to talk about so um then when i heard her story which was about halfway into the shooting the film that was taking shape in my head that seemed like but also you know the thing is that beginnings and endings that's a big thing mm. to me that's like that's like uh it's very important to me it's very um you know i don't know before i start to film how it will begin and end but often when i'm shooting the film if something happens and i think well it's gonna end with that well it's a self-fulfilling prophecy i mean it's like oh wow I guess that it would end with that. And God darn it, it did end with that. Well, that's, you know, that's because I made the, that's because I made the decision. You made the call. But I mean, but it's not a, yeah, I predicted that I would do something and then I did what I predicted I would do. That's not really surprising. But, I'm just saying, I, in this film, when the thing that ends the film happened, I said to myself, that's a good ending. And when she told another story, I was like, that's a good beginning. And yeah, I'm kind of in the weeds now, but I'm just saying, like, there are decisions I made in the film. Like for me, every, when I look at this film in particular, I, it's like I'm hearing the DVD director's commentary mm. as, and, and it's going, well, I made this decision, but I did what, and because of this reason, and I hope that that worked out. I made this decision for that reason, and I hope that worked out. I put that after that instead of before that because I thought that would be more interesting, you know. So, um, you know, nobody's going to see the film I thought I made, but right, right. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> there's something hopeful profoundly Hopefully. philosophical there i think it's pretty that's that's pretty interesting i mean so so how alan how do you how do you step into this i mean i mean i mean there's so many things i want to ask you about for, i mean i don't know how much you're well you're comfortable well you know talking um, about I mean, the this, actual so stories the, i mean the thing but. okay i know this is a kind of a 
um, I feel like I always should preface every, every question about why did you make this film? I feel like it should be prefaced by, well, you know, I had a bunch of ideas and I pitched them and most of them were rejected. And this is the one, <laughs> and this is the one that wasn't. You're, you, so, so what you're saying is you're a very practical filmmaker is what I'm hearing. Well, no, I'm just saying I'm not, I, I don't know what other people do. I mm. don't, I don't know how, what their process is. Sometimes you see a film and you get the impression this person was really interested in this subject and they were dogged and they pitched it and they got rejected and they went back to the drawing board and they learned some more stuff and they pitched it again and they got rejected. And then they did some research and wrote some stuff and filmed some research and came back. And eventually the person said, yes, and it was a long and arduous journey, but this was the film they needed to make. I believe that that probably does happen. That is not in any way, shape, or form how my 10 docs have been made. Right, hey, most wow. of them, most of them were, you know, just sort of, yeah, others were rejected. These were the ones that were accepted. Um, I, you know, I don't deny that if you looked at the 10 in some kind of way, you could probably see that they're connected and you could even see some sense to that. I made here, this film is about ex retired cops and it's 10 years after I made a film about ex cons. Right. And you could say that it's a, you know, somebody's going to say it's a companion piece. And I would say, I didn't think of it that way, but I certainly acknowledge that when, when I had the idea, I thought, well, you know, it's, it's an interesting connection to another film I made. So, um, so would you call, would you I'm call, not, would you call cops people at risk? I mean, a hard name is the film, right? I mean, it's for prison inmates, former, former prison inmates. These are former cops. I mean, is that, is that possibly a connection? I mean, well, I think that it's more, you know, like this is something, uh, you know, this is something in a different film in a different universe. Some narrator would come in and say, you know, the uh, criminals have PTSD and the cops have PTSD right, right. and they're in a PTSD soup that they, the criminals have PTSD. They give PTSD to the cops, the cops give PTSD, you know, well, let, let's take out PTSD. The, the most criminals go in having experienced trauma. They are traumatized. Um, then the cops deal with them. They become traumatized. And then there's like one traumatized group uh, acting upon another traumatized group. You know, I think that's a fair statement. Um, I think that, and I think that in both cases, I was not aware of mm, that mm. before I made the film about them. Not I was not aware. I never thought about right. That. Why did you take out? So, interest, interesting that you say you wanted to. Let's take out PTSD. Is that because you're you're not sure, or you're making a, a no, a clear, no? I'm a just. I think the reason or? I'm taking out PTSD is 
some film, some people in this film have diagnosed PTSD. Right. But some other people in the film don't have PTSD diagnosed because they're not exhibiting certain symptoms with which we associate with PTSD. Right, right. But uh, nonetheless, I would say they were traumatized. They were traumatized. Interesting. So so that's what I'm I'm saying. They were traumatized and they, however, you know, it, it could be luck. It could be how they dealt with it. It could be how they didn't deal with it. You know, there's a lot, there's little bits in the film about how cops deal with it and how you deal with it. I was in, um, go ahead. I was in uh, Cambodia this past summer, and I and I've been working there for many years on and off. And I met a man who Irish guy who uh, fought IRA seventies uh, had 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 what he really went out of his way to make the distinction between PTSD and combat stress disorder. And this is a guy who it was really weird. He almost seemed proud of the fact that he had this and how he couldn't sit with right. you know he was sat to the back with his back to the wall and noises. And I mean, he really was on edge. This we met at a coffee shop and but he got almost angry when ptsd when when you know just with the notion that he would be you know put into like you say that soup or 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 compared to others that might be suffering from this thing called ptsd no no this is what i suffered from they suffer from although that that's bizarre because i know it's kind of interesting ptsd is just a new name right for first combat stress disorder for shell or shell when i was a kid shell shock yeah yeah exactly. um it's funny you said this is completely um irrelevant but i got a little scared or not a little chill for a second there when you said you were in cambodia and you met a guy because one of my oldest and dearest friends was in cambodia for the spring and early summer and it was in cambodia where he chose to take his life. Oh so, no! Oh, I'm so sorry to yeah. hear that, man. Yeah, that's anyway, horrible. That, that's okay. That was this okay. this I, year. Yeah, just he, he. It was June. No, early July on an island. I can't remember the name of the island. Like anyway, that's all. It's just weird. That's Cambodia now will always and forever. Of be associated with me imagining my friend in Cambodia deciding that he had to uh, end his life. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I'm just saying the, the one reason I don't want to use the word PTSD is because I don't want, I don't want people to go to see the film or hear about the film and hear that's a film about cops with PTSD. Right. Right. Because, right. Because some cops in the film have it. One, you know, one or two actually say the words. Some say they don't have it. But it's clear to me that they were changed by what they saw. It affected them. It, you know, I just, yeah, I just... PTSD is it's good that we have the term and it's good that people are being treated, but it's, it's almost to be seen as a way to ghettoize certain people like they have PTSD and the rest of these are fucking good and healthy people. And right. I, I just right. think, right. I think 
Well, I mean, any labels it, like that, right? It's you you, right. All, you all of a sudden can somehow demonize or disregard, I suppose. There's one anyway, there's, one, there's also, one guy in the I'm not a doctor, but I'm Right, just, right. Right. I don't know about PTSD. All I know is But trauma for sure. Deep, deep I will, trauma. This is, here's one thing that's not in the film because it's too much of an editorial comment, but I'll share it with you. When I drove cab and I met cops, they all seemed like bullies. So when I heard about why people wanted to become cops and they said, I want to help people, mm. I said, no, you're a bully and it was a good job for a bully. And then at a certain point making film, I met these people who said the same thing. I wanted to help people. And I was like pushing back. And then when I heard them talk about their career and all that, I realized, yeah, you know, maybe they didn't like, right. they didn't start off as bullies. Right. They became bullies. The job made them into bullies, you know, so something made them be like that. And I think you or I, or my daughter or any hippie, Maya Angelou, if she got a job as a cop <laughs> after a while, right. she'd be a bully too. Right. And do you think that's, that's across the board? Does that, I mean, does that say something about the personality of, of, of folks that get in that become first responders? No, no. I mean, I, I mean, I, I met one, I met one guy, he's not in the film who, claim that he never went there mm. that he he knew how to never go there and i believe him but no i think that i think well i don't know how you know maybe i'm being a little um maybe i'm being overly overly uh productive to just say the word bully I'm just saying that job is unnatural to say the least and it's going to affect anybody who does it. And the person that we meet 10 years into the job is not the person who took the job. So for us to decide their motivations from how they're acting 10 years in is highly unfair, but that's what I did my whole life. So. So what about the guy who says, I, I can't remember Bruce, Calvin, Bill, Ed, I, I remembered so many of the names, Ron, I don't know who it was, but one of them said yeah. that the way he got through was comedy and humor. And, you know, speaking oh, of your, your comment about earlier about dark, dark, you know, being, you know, yeah. drawn to the darkness or dark, you're, oh, Alan, your films are dark or whatever. There's a, there's a darkness to that, to that right. aspect yeah. of I mean, his life. He, if that's true, he, Alan, I, I, I actually was listening to him and I kind of wondered, geez, I wonder if that's, and I don't know the man at all. So I, I say this with footnotes, Ed, but I yeah. wonder if Ed is, you know, not really facing the realities of that by saying, ah, oh, you know what? We just joked around and we had these really dark kind of macabre well, he, jokes, you know? He, you know? Right. To deal with the stress and the tension and the and the he's, trauma. He's talking right. He's talking about cop humor. That's how he got through cop humor, and that is true. That's how some of them got through. Their cop humor isn't that funny, <laughs> right? I mean, it might be. It, it would make you laugh. For sure, it would. Yeah, in the but, moment. But 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 you are, you know, the definition of cop humor is. I'm about to say something 
dark and completely cut off from the humanity of what has just happened here. Mm. I'm there's a guy's head sitting on the ground. I'm going to make a joke about heads or a pun with the word head in it. And it probably will cut the tension at that moment. Sure. It might, I don't know, but that doesn't mean that that night when you go to bed, that joke will still be protecting you. That's what I would say. So, uh, you know, like Ed says, it's my humor. And then he tells a story and I don't think anybody will laugh. Although I don't doubt cops laugh right. or maybe it makes him laugh and I'm not blaming him. Like, I really like that guy dark as he might be. I really like Ed Blaha and I enjoyed being with him and you know, I, I, I included his talk about humor in the film because I thought it was representative of a certain, you know, I don't know, I'm not a certain way that cops have of dealing with things. Well, you know, I, he tells, I, I saw coping. I saw coping mechanism, and you know, as I as I was listening to you there, just chatting about Ed and so on, I I, I think I think I, I mean, see, there, I, there, I see coping mechanism in all of them, right, don't yeah. I? To some degree, drugs. You know, we've got, yeah, exactly. He tells a story in the film about a guy getting hit by a car truck right in front of him, flying through the air and dying. And you know, people have seen the film and asked, like, why is that story in there? Like. That guy must have better stories than that. And I say, listen to how he tells the story. Mm. Listen to the details. He tells it. there's a certain detail that he focuses on. And he repeats it three times. And, um, you know, if you saw a guy not killed right in front of you by a truck and flew, fly through the air, you know, I doubt you would repeat that detail three times. Right. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, cop humor. Like, I bet I would laugh, but that doesn't mean, you know, some of those people that laugh also go home and, you know, drink a 24 of Scots to get right. rid of the image. So, so. Uh, you're, you're probably, I mean, I would imagine that you've thought about to some degree solutions, you know, what, how, how do you, how do you prepare people for these types of roles? I mean, I can't help but think after watching the film or even halfway through the film, wow, is, I mean, is this, I mean, obviously it's every, every cop's experience, I suppose, but are, are they all dealing it with it in the same way? Is, is it, um, I mean, this is a horrifying wow world to live in for the most part, I suppose. I mean, I guess there's a whole level of boredom to the job as well, but when you're really thrown into it, you are No, but the boredom in. the boredom doesn't help because probably makes it worse. As as somebody says in the film, you have seven hours and forty five minutes of boredom and then fifteen minutes of sheer chaos. Like um it appears I haven't I haven't you know, I'm sure there are books somewhere out there on alternatives to policing and et cetera. Community, I mean, right. if, they still had cops, if, if they still had cops on the beat, that would be better. And a lot of cops in my film recall with some, you know, with some 
positive feelings, what it was like to be a cop in a beat and be part of the community and um, not be so us and them and not so confrontational. But that's not going to help them from bodies that they have to recover or from the from the accidents or from the right. crimes against children or things like that. Like that's only going to help with a certain amount. No, I think what they need is to uh, check in every week with, you know, the right person and be able to do it without a wisp of, of, um, what's the word like shame or embarrassment right. or Guilt, shame be, judgment, you know, like they, they have to, we have, you know, we have to help them get rid of every bit of, uh, you know, shame that they might experience, not just from their fellow cops, but from us that. Can, can we talk that, about can we talk yeah. about the last scene in the film? Is is that all right? Sure. Yeah the the guy who tries to commit suicide and says something I I, I can't even commit suicide properly. Basically, he wanders back into the the house and and I'm pretty sure this is where you ended the film. Uh, and the and the, the 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 cop says or you say to him what, what so what did you do? And I had a hole in his chest. What did you do? Oh, I, I hugged him. So so are you talking yeah. are you talking about you know, someone who can, somebody who will listen without judgment, no shame, no guilt. This is about um, being well, a friend, that guy, coming alongside. Yeah, I mean, it's, that guy, I hope that, I mean, I hope that, I don't want, like, yes, that's a spoiler alert. So, in a way, maybe, well, whatever. I, it's not like, maybe people will hear this and nonetheless, it won't ruin the ending. And I hope the ending is... I hope the ending is is impactful. Um, yeah, well, that very guy says earlier in the film, there's basically two ways that people are affected by this. And and when he was at police college, he was trying to teach a third way in which you would have a way of dealing with that with that with the trauma you've experienced, a way of let's say getting rid of it other than by drinking or whoring around or having five wives or beating up people or making bad jokes about it. He was trying to teach that there's another way. And one advantage of that other way would be that you'd be able to have not just there's an advantage to having empathy to the person you're arresting or the person you're dealing with, mm. or, you know, there's an advantage just as a human being for you to have empathy for that person. But there's also an advantage for you to catch bad guys right. because you can put yourself in their shoes. So that's what he was saying. And so this story, there's a story at the end where, you know, he had empathy in a clear way, which is, you know, not something the rest of the stories 
um, emphasize. So, so, so the faith, the faith question makes it into the film at, at one point in your interviewing, and you you sound really surprised by by sort of where that's going, and 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 then we end with Leonard Cohen's tune and. Any, any any comments there, Alan? On I mean, I think I'm kind of connected well, there was, ethically you know, the to thing the is, whole good evil thing as well, right? Because that comes out really right. strongly throughout the film. And I don't know, I did, the, the whole bad things happen to good people kind of a, a situation. Right. So, well, there are two people in the film who were um, who are pastors now after their cops, hmm. which which I didn't include, but I didn't include that detail. But one of them is the guy K.R. who talks about theological training and basically says he was always haunted by why bad things happen to good people. And when he learned about God, he didn't have those questions anymore. Right. So, you know, I don't want like, yes, I'm skeptical about that, but I let him say that. Sure. And and then the other one who would have a slightly different attitude is Michael, who is the last person in the film, who tells the story about the guy who killed himself. So, I mean, you know, I have, um, I think it makes total sense that one of the ways people would look to explain what the last 30 years of their life was and what they saw and what they experienced in the world I think religion would probably help you sure. feel better about that or explain it. So it, it, will, it, it that, gives you a reason, right? Or, or, or at least yeah, so, certain types of religion give you a reason for that kind of evil in the world. He's the guy right. who actually says there is evil out there, right? I think that yeah. was... Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I would say that when I was making the film, there was a feeling of you know the place of spirituality religion and god in the lives of the people i was interviewing and i chose not to include it as much as i might have Mm. but but nonetheless it was still kind of in the air for me and that's why the leonard cohen song which is also not overtly religious but i think right. that song feels like a prayer sure. to me and at that point i was at that point in the film i felt like a prayer was perfectly hey just to come sort of full legitimate c- a lot of cohen songs are like prayers but hey eh? but yeah. just to sort of come full circle you you know you talked about the decisions of opening strong and closing strong did you at some point know through uh, during one of the interviews that you were going to end you were going to end with that song not with that song. That okay. was more. Okay. Um, that was more. Um, I wanted a song. I wanted to end with a song. Um, and I wanted this song to match the feeling that I thought his words of mm, the character right. deserved. And I didn't really think I would be able to afford a Leonard Cohen song, but it turned out we barely was we just barely could. So, <laughs> so and that was, and a lot of it though had to do with just a. It's kind of a convention, like 
you're in that scene. I believe that I've given you ample reason to know that that's the last scene. Right. He says what he says. There's nothing. I don't answer. The car continues to drive. And I just want to say, you're right. It's ending. And so the for opening finger picking notes of that song tell you that. And then just the song and just a lot of it is like the song fits with exactly what we wanted to do at the end. Just in terms of, you know, how long the intro was, when he starts singing, what he says, etc. So there are just a lot of kind of kismet around using nice. that song. So believe it or not, we gotta. I gotta get you off the phone in a few minutes. Uh, uh, I think you. Okay. you I, I think I agreed to getting you off the phone at five forty-five, which means nothing to anyone listening right now because this is, as we right. all know, pre-recorded. Um, question: So, do you? Th- you know, racism, sexism, the 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 high stress, the 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 just the. The stories that are told, I mean, I think all of these uh, men and women have, are, have, have are moved on to other jobs or they've retired and so on. But do you think the police will like this film? Do you think other cops will like this film in the sense that, you know, you're sort of calling them out a little bit, but you're calling them out for, I don't know, I think for a pretty good reason. I don't know if that's a fair way to put it, Alan, but... No, but, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I really, I hope they do. Yeah, me too. But I think... I think that, um, you know, um, I think that the, 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 there's an attitude, I believe, at least in the cops of the vintage in my film. Mm. And, but I think maybe still the people in my film tell me that it's changed, but not as much as you would want. Right. It hasn't changed enough. There are more women, there's more diversity, et cetera. That has brought different attitudes. But has it changed to the point, this is what I would always ask them. Has it changed to the point that a guy or a gal could see something that hurt them, hurt their soul or their spirit, and they would say to the captain or their partner, that really screwed me up. Mm. I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to talk to a psychiatrist. And if they did that, would they be able to come back, be trusted, be, uh, you know, would people want them backing them up? Would they be trusted? Would they continue to be well thought of? Would they be promoted? And everybody I asked, they said no. As maybe it's gotten better, but not better enough for what you just asked. Still have a long so, way to go. I think that I don't know what the reason that is, and it could just be that on some level, everybody who does this job decides that you have to be tough, brave. Mm. I don't know what to do this job. You have to be strong and that shows weakness and, and, and we're not, you know, it's a rare person that would say, Hey, you know, Sergeant Preston, that showed great strength that you knew that that 
hurt you and you went and talked to somebody like that happens you know that conversation i've heard people say that to people in different contexts you know um but i don't it doesn't appear we're there so that's a long way to say yeah i can imagine some cops will see the film and say uh, what a bunch of whiners <laughs> right you know oh, like no, not for sure they'll stay yeah, out. Yeah. i like that guy because that guy yep didn't whine and that guy didn't whine and that gal didn't whine and she told it like it was but the rest of you know yep. the rest of them uh, were kind of uh i know that that i know i'm sure that that still exists i would think so so i mean you know luckily I, not that i hope cops like it but i didn't make it for cops i mean i made it for everyone because like any film I would make, I hope, I don't know, you know, people I worked with, people in the production office, when they would come and see a rough cut, and then they would come to me and say, I went outside, I saw this paid duty officer or this guy directing traffic, and I just thought, like, is that his experience? Mm. Is, he, is he like the people in the film? Mm. Yeah, it's good. Or even um, maybe you like some guy comes to your house or somebody stops you or asks you for your license when you're on your bicycle and it's incredibly annoying that they do that. But maybe you might think, what did they see this morning? What did they do in the seven hours before now? Because probably that week they saw things that you've never seen in your life and you never will. And they just did for them. That's just Tuesday. Mm. So, you know, I don't think I, you know, somebody's going to say, well, you've been pretty sympathetic to the cops. And it's like, yeah, I'd like to be sympathetic to, you know, I'd like to be sympathetic to everybody. You know? Well, I think, you know, I, 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 we're going to, we're going to have to have to wrap it up here, but I, I mean, what I'm hearing from you there is, is an empathetic sort of stance, you know, approach, well, you approach know, others this, with an opening year. Listen, you know, you know different posture. I'm, I'm right. I'm laying, this is, if I tell you this, then I may not have the sweet moment that I'm hoping to have, but I'm hoping to have a moment where somebody says to me, something about that you were soft on these cops Mm. and I will tell them 10 years ago, I made a film about criminals and I was very, I was, I had showed empathy to them and nobody said to me, you were soft on those criminals. Mm. Why? Like, like, I'm not saying I should like, I'm just saying, why are people, I think people may well is um, show less, be less happy about the empathy I showed cops than the empathy I showed criminals. And I hate to say it, but that right there should tell you something about mm. the world. And it's, I'm not saying cops don't, yes, cops, cops do horrible things. So are they worse than, are they worse than criminals? You know? And again, I love, you know, some of my best friends are ex-cons. And some of my best friends are ex-cops. And, uh, 
Well, that would explain why you probably were able to build such a level of trust with, well, with some of the people the, that you interviewed. No, now they're my now, right. now well, they're not my best friends, but I have people I consider friends who are ex-cons, and people I now consider friends who are ex-cops, and um, if they fuck up, then I do not defend them, but you know, I have I I. I think, I think we should, you know, consider, you know, I don't even want to finish that sentence. You know where I'm going. I do know where you're going. And I think that's a good place to end. I, I mean, there's so many lines in it. And Alan, I, I mean, thanks. Thanks for the film. I hope I, it's one of those docs that I think truly everyone needs to see and, and at least needs to see some of it and have uh, hopefully walk out and, and bump into a, a cop, a first responder and, and think about, um, I don't know. Think about this thing we call life in a different way. I mean, I, I know that might sound kind of cliche and, and a little idealistic. No, but I mean, but that's that's that, what that's it, know, isn't it? That I mean, is the, that's why we make like whether we know it or not. That is sort of why we make these docs. Absolutely. Like, you, I love you're the not going to meet these. You're not going to meet these people. That's right. There's a whole bunch of world right. people in the world you're not going to meet. That's what we do is try to bring you connections with people that you would otherwise never meet for however that affects you yeah yeah uh we've been talking with alan zweig today about his new film coppers uh, it's going to be appearing at the toronto international film festival and then alan it'll be uh probably on uh, tbo at yeah, some point i would say january good that's just my prediction excellent well listen thanks so much for your time today i really do appreciate it okay well, my pleasure Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.